Anscape says there's six HBCU prospects you have to watch in the NFL draft. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on a journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every single day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives please do that i appreciate talking to all of you now today's episode is brought to you by bet online they have you covered this season with more odds props and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts and i want to break down this list because anscape's six hbcu prospects you need to watch in the nfl draft is highlighted by the wide receiver position now i thought this was a interesting number to have you know were you trying to shoot for five and you was like you know what i just can't make this one player an honorable mention i have to include him on the list so matter of fact we're just gonna bump it up to six you see list of five, you see list of 10, anything in between five and 10 is always abnormal to me, but enough of my little stream of consciousness, let's get into the list. And I find it quite interesting that the wide receiver position is half of the list. There's three wide receivers on here. We're going to break them down in the first segment and get to the other half in segment number two. But I find it interesting, not because wide receivers aren't talented, not because I don't like these guys or think that they deserve to be on the list. I find it interesting because Running backs was the highlight of the HBCU football season for me. There were so many good HBCU running backs. And when you look at their their classification, that's when you realize, oh, they're just young. That's why they're not on this list, you know. But it's just like, wow, I talk so much about running backs being the class of HBCUs. And then you get to the NFL draft and it's clear that wide receivers are the class you talking about the top of the list these three players i 100 believe deserve to be long, to be on here if these three players weren't on a short list of hbcu prospects to watch i'd have some question marks so let's go ahead and get into them and the first person i want to break down is jadakiss bonds bonds was able to succeed in the caa succeed in the, in the big south and this isn't because he decided to transfer hampton just switched in the middle of his career and he didn't blink one bit in his first and only year in the CAA, he was a first-team all-conference wide receiver the same way he was in the Big South in 2019. Those are his two highlight years. In 2019, he showed his ability to rack up all of the catches, but in 2022, he showed his ability to get more yards per catch, so he was more of a big play threat. And it's not like that's the only thing he does. He's still 6'4", right? So they throw the, the fade to the back pylon in the end zone, and it's tough for defensive backs to get around him. He knows how to use his size, whether that's positioning himself or if that's just high-pointing the ball. Either one, he does pretty successfully. He typically just throws to the back corner, and they, you know, that's a pretty successful play for him. That's what they do most times. But he's pretty good at using his size in the end zone. So he's not a player you ever have to take off the field. You can use him from the zero to the zero, right? End zone to the end zone. You know that J.D. Kiss Bonds is a threat. Now, the next player that I want to break down is Shaq Davis. To me, Shaq Davis is probably the most attractive wide receiver of the bunch to NFL scouts, and that's just because his athletic profile projects really well. 
right? If you're a scout and you're just looking at raw ability, not even ability, you're just looking at things you can't teach. Davis is 6'5 and can take the roof off a skyscraper. You can't teach that. You can't make somebody 6'5. You can't teach that kind of speed. And everybody knew that Davis was getting the ball. Coming into mini games, priority one was stopping number one. And yes, sometimes the opponent left with a victory, but oftentimes it wasn't because they achieved priority one. So, you know, Shaq Davis was, I would argue, pretty dominant. He was a dominant deep threat in the MEAC. Best wide receiver in the MEAC this year. First team all-conference yet again. So, you look at, I'll, I'll look at a couple of performances like this. I look at a performance like FAMU. In FAMU, South Carolina State was down. Two touchdowns led to them coming back. They didn't get the victory, but nearly put them in position. You look at games like North Carolina A&T. His matchup versus Prunty was looked forward to. He had himself a good game. When the when the lights are on, you know you know this because the the way many people found out about him, or at least popped on many people's radar, you know, and started paying attention for real, was that Celebration Bowl. When the lights are on, Shaq Davis knows how to perform, and that's something that I will always value, and I will say about many players, and I know some people might get tired of me saying it, but it's something I value as much that I just got to continue to say whether it's about teams or whether it's about individuals, I'm going to continue to do that. And then the final wide receiver I want to break down is Xavier Smith out of FAMU. I think that not just wide receivers, Xavier Smith is the HBCU prospect I have my eyes on the most in this draft cycle because he's decorated, he has the resume, and I really want to see where his draft buzz goes as we get closer to April. He has genuine take-it-the-distance speed when the ball is in his hand in short yardage, right, in open field, but then also he uses that speed to be able to stretch the field when the ball isn't in his hands. But it's not as if that's the only thing he does. He's not a one-trick pony. You don't just say, hey, go run the go, and we'll get it to you, or maybe we won't. That's not Xavier Smith. He has a good route tree, and he uses all of these. He was a dominant force for FAMU in the passing game this year, and I know some people will probably question his size, and I don't want to sound cliche of, oh, what he lacks in size. No, but I was listening to a quote by Sean Payton just earlier this week, and he was talking about prototypes and drafting, and basically if a guy doesn't meet your prototype in one facet, right, and let's just use height for Xavier Smith, then you ask the question, does he walk on water? Basically, does he have a trait that'll make you overlook what he lacks in your prototype? And for, and for me, Smith's explosiveness is that. Because if we're talking about NFL drafts, I genuinely think whether it's special teams or maybe even getting kind of involved in the passing game, I believe that Xavier Smith can have an immediate impact on an NFL team. So I can't wait to see where he's drafted. But going forward, we're going to be finishing the rest of the list. And one of those players is Isaiah Land, Xavier Smith's teammate. From FAMU, and we'll be breaking down as we continue with Locked on HBCU. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, bar none. Listen, 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 listen. If you can't wait for shipping, and I understand these things are so tasty that I'd be impatient too. But if you cannot wait for shipping, go to Walmart, go to Sam's Club, get yourself a variety pack. Maybe you're not sure what flavor you want. Get yourself a variety pack. Here's the thing, though. You might get the variety pack and be like, I need every single one of these in 10 box shipments. And I understand because they are just that delicious. So don't, no need to wait. But if you do, go ahead and go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You can get one of these protein bars that is covered in chocolate. Some are filled with marshmallow if you're talking about the Built Puff. But they're all stacked with protein. Things this healthy are usually not this tasty. That's why I said usually because Built Bar breaks the mold. The number one protein bar on the market, bar none. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your offer. That is built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your offer. 
As we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, check out Peter Bukowski and all of the local experts that he brings on Locked on Sports today to break down the national stories wherever you get your podcast, including this app here. Those no, There's not even any need to change the app. So go ahead and listen to him right after I finish talking. Now, Xavier Smith was the last of the wide receivers that we broke down. And we're going to go ahead and start with his teammate, Isaiah Lamb. But first, I want to just point out something that's weird, right? So in the first segment, we have three wide receivers. In this segment, none of these guys are connected as far as position goes. And there's no running backs, but there's no connection. You have a defensive end, a linebacker, and and an offensive lineman. The only connection they have is that they're all swack players. That's it. And I just think that's interesting. You have three wide receivers and then just a miscellaneous bunch of positions, right? But um, first person we're going to break down is Isaiah Land, who, in my opinion, is the most high-profile NFL draft prospect from an HBCU this year, period. I don't care the position you're talking about. I don't know where he's going to be drafted, but there's nobody more high-profile than him. He was the Buck Buchanan Award winner in fall of 2021, where that means that he was the best court or the best defensive player in the FCS, period. All the divisions, all the conferences, he was the best defensive player. And he had a dominant year. And you saw him at the end of this year really starting to put it together again. He dealt with some injuries, you know, things of that nature that, ah, it was was kind of a tough, tough blow. You know, I I really think that impacted the beginning of his year. But at the end, you saw him start to put it together with more tackles for a loss, more sacks. He was a little bit more consistent with that aspect of rushing the passer. So we saw it get together. One thing that I think people are going to question, similar to his teammate, is his size. And that's why I think the NFL combine is probably going to be the most important thing for him because he's got to show that he can come in weighing heavier than 225 that he's listed at on the FAMU, um, the FAMU athletic website, right, on the roster. But... He has to show that he can weigh more than 225, but retain explosiveness. Because when he gets, when he, if he starts weighing 225 at the combine, that's just going to be his weight. That's what people are going to say. And now you get the question, all right, you're in the trenches. Are you going to be able to bang at, 12, at 225? I don't know. I don't know. And then if you put on weight, if you're 240, people are going to, well, did you lose your explosiveness? So if you can show those things, then you're for sure going to hear Isaiah Land's name called. Probably be first, to be honest, if he can show those things. So that's going to be extremely important for him uh, because he's a 3-4 guy to me. In the, in the NFL, he is a 3-4 linebacker, stand-up linebacker to me. I know he has his hand in the dirt at FAMU all the time, but to me, he is a 3-4 stand-up outside linebacker, TJ Watt type position if you just need the mold, right? That's what it is to me. That's the position that he'll play. We'll see what he's going to be in the NFL, but that's why I think the combine is going to be pretty important for him. The next guy you have is Mark Evans, second of his name, and that is Dominance Personified. This man is a four-time, four-time SWAT first-team all-conference player. So he's been dominating since the beginning. If you want to be honest, you would think he was part of the royal family, the way that he led Kayvon Britton to be in the third leading rusher in the swag and having a dominant performance in his last game. Mark Evans has been hyped up since the beginning of the season. He was the number two HBCU prospect on Jordan Reed's list. That's before the year started. And he didn't let anybody down. He's exactly what we thought he was going to be. A lot of people think he might have to kick in the guard. So he has that kind of versatility, but we'll see. We'll see. He'll be at the NFL PA Bowl. I think that's the one. Yeah, he's at the NFL PA Bowl. He's not at the Senior Bowl, which is kind of surprising to me. I thought he was definitely going to be at the Senior Bowl, but he's not. But um, we'll be watching. 
We'll be watching in this individuals. We'll be watching because they'll be going against those big time prospects that everybody wants to look at, right? So we'll see. I can't wait, though. I can't wait. This guy is so dominant that what he does in these Shrine Bowl uh, or in these pre-draft bowls is going to be extremely interesting. And it's something that you have to watch. You have to watch. Um, and then lastly, you have Aubrey Miller, who is a guy who racked up 117 tackles and he flies around. If there was no crowd, you would hear his hits. You know, I'll put it that way because he definitely brings a lot of power behind his hits. And he had five forced fumbles. I know I listed off the tackles at the beginning, but tackles become glossed over over time because if you don't watch them happen, you don't know where they happen. So it's kind of hard to know how much value you should give tackles. Though 117 tackles is a great number no matter what. But he also had five fumbles. And I don't care if the fumble is 90 yards down the field or three yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's an impactful play. That's a potential game-changing play at all moments. So five force fumbles is something that you can't deny, and it shows the impact. And one thing you won't see on the stat sheet is I think he's a pretty good leader, right? Because you look at everything since Prime's departure. As soon as he announced his departure in that room, in the same moment that Prime said, you know, I'm going to Colorado, you saw Aubrey Miller step up in his attempt of galvanizing the troops and talking to these guys like, all right, we got to go get this done. And you see it after the uh, Celebration Bowl when he's talking about come to an HBCU and do X, Y, and Z. You see it in the workout videos that he'll post. And he, you can tell, I mean, advocating for HBCUs does not make you a leader. However, when you listen to Aubrey Miller speak, you can tell he's used to leading. So... I don't want to make it seem like I'm all on his job. I just see these things, right? So that's one of the things I like the most. He's an impactful player. He flies around and he shows leadership. Those are things that I think will translate well into the NFL. And if you give him a shot, we'll see what he can be as far as a leader. But those athletic things, flying around, I'm sure he'll do. Being able to force turnovers is something that he has a knack for, and we'll see if he's able to continue it. But I'll be interested to see how all six of these guys translate into the NFL because I do think they all have a good chance of being drafted or being priority undrafted free agents. And going forward, we're going to be talking about guys who I think should have been on the list but did not make it, or at least they're notable omissions. I'll say that. I'm not even going to say they should have been on the list, but their omission is definitely notable. As we continue with Locked on HBCU. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, shout out to all my segment three folks. And I want to break down some of the guys who did not make this list. And I think that Mia Berry did a pretty good list, honestly. I think these six guys are players who, if you're talking about HBCU prospects, you have to watch out for and you're limiting the number. They're definitely on that short list of guys you have to name. But like any list, there's somebody who's left off. No matter, there's somebody you're going to say, oh, what about that guy? Or what about that girl? No matter what the list is, unless you're doing rankings, and then the question becomes, why wasn't this higher, right? Unless you have encapsulated all of the players or all of the things in your list, you're always going to have a question of what about this? What about that? That's the beautiful part about lists. And if nobody talks about it, your list probably wasn't, it just didn't start up conversation. And uh, so we're going to talk about players who I think missed the list. And there was no D2 HBCU players here. That was a notable omission to me. Not a single D2 HBCU player. And a lot of times when we talk about these players, it is guys who are on the FCS level. So there is no Joshua Pryor from Bowie State. There is nothing like that because the focus is on, it's kind of like FCS is silent. That's how I look at it. Maybe I look at it that way to not disrespect the D2 players. 
And be like, oh, well, it's just implied. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about FCS HBCU players. But well, I did notice that there was no D2 HBCU uh, prospects on this list. And one of the guys that jumped to my mind is not only Joshua Pryor, but Emmanuel Wilson out of Fort Valley State, the running back. And I said that running backs kind of ran the HBCU landscape this year. That wasn't just true. I wasn't having any silent FCS on it because I do think that D2, well, how can you when Jada Byers exist, right? How can you just put silent FCS running backs for HBCUs when we're talking about Jada Byers being the best of the bunch? That's just, can't do that. But you look at Emmanuel Wilson, he had a really good year and he's 6'1", he's 220, got good size. He has good size and he has good speed. He has a couple of breakaway uh, runs in his, in his career. So he has the size, he has the speed. I think that is there. And you look at his last season at Fort Valley, he had over 1,400 or nearly 1,400 yards on the year. He had multiple games in which he topped over 200 yards rushing on the year. I mean, on the, on the in that game. And then one of the crazier stat lines that he had was against Morehouse for me. And let's look at this stat line real quick. Because in that game, he had 211 yards and four touchdowns on 12 touches. Two of those touchdowns were on the ground. Two of those touchdowns were through the air. He had three catches for 80-something yards in that game. He only had nine um yeah, only nine rushes, 120 yards. So he had over 20 yards. My math ain't mathing right now. But that's those were the stats, right? He had 12 touches, 211 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, let's let's keep the specifics out. He had two and two on the touchdown side through the air and on the ground. So let's let's do that and not try to get specifically into what the yards and stuff was. Cause now I'm starting to feel like that math ain't I ain't do that math right. But then that's that's somebody who I think should be on the list, right? If we're talking about Division two players, and especially a, a position like running back, he has that size, he has that that speed, he has the the production. So yeah, I think he should have been on the list, and that was somebody that I was not looking forward to. But when I saw he wasn't on the list, I was like, okay, that's a notable omission. Then you look at Kamari Avery, and he's probably an extremely notable omission. And here's the thing about him. Excuse me. Here's the thing about Avery is he's on this list if this list happens a year ago. I don't care what other six you want to replace. He's on this list a year ago if you make it. But his senior year or his graduate season year, it wasn't exactly what the year prior was. Now, I don't know how much stock I put into that because this last year was still a solid season. You know, top the mid 40 or mid 400s. It's still a solid season. But you look at the year before, he's at the 800s. So now it becomes a, a question of what do you value? When you're looking at his evaluation, what are you valuing? Are you valuing 2021? Are you saying that's a fluke? And you're just looking at 2022. What are you doing? Because if you look at 2021, this guy has a chance to get his name called. He's 6'6", 250, 260, depending on where you're looking. That's a mammoth. He can move. He's got good hands. As far as tight ends go, they're already mixed, uh, mismatches. This guy could be an extreme mismatch in the NFL. So he has that. We're talking about athletic profile because the reason this is important is because we're talking about scouting. And when we're talking about scouting, they want to see what can you work with, especially when you get into the middle rounds. It's not even so much about, oh, well, this was your production and things of that nature. They want to look for traits. They want to look for things they can work with. And 66250 is something you can work with. It's just about what do you value? Like I said, in 2021, he was a monster. Had five games above 90 yards. His high this year was 83. There was a lot of things going on in Bethune-Cookman, but Kamari Averitt is a player who, he's interesting. 
He's interesting. As lists come on, because I will be interested to, and we'll probably do this with another list as we get closer to the draft. We're not just going to do draft coverage a month before the draft. We're going to continue to sprinkle it in like Salt Bay as we continue to move into April. So you have that to continue looking forward to. On tomorrow's episode, we're kind of doing it still because Eddie George has been plugged to be the head coach in the NFL PA Bowl. So that's kind of draft prep. So we'll be breaking that down on tomorrow's episode. Continue making us your first listen of the day every day because I truly do appreciate it. Thank you for that. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports Today with Peter Bukowski, bringing in the local experts to break down the biggest national stories. And y'all know what we're looking forward to tomorrow. Eddie George is the coach of the NFL PA Bowl. Let's get it. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.